Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be going into the second half of Clueless. Yay! And we're joined by our same guests, Josh Waller and Lindsay Curry. Hey! <laughs> we're so glad to have them. Um, <laughs> yeah, we start the second half. <laughs> we're so glad to have them. Hysterical laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already did first impressions and introduced everyone in the last episode. So yeah, do um, I guess should we just go into notes? Yeah, let's just go into notes. I did notes this week. Yeah, and I got all of my notes from the special features on the Clueless DVD, <laughs> so they might be a little disjointed <laughs> or uh, sporadic, if you will. <laughs> oh, how sporadic of you! It's very. <laughs> Sporadically, I don't know. Sporadically, sporadic. <laughs> I was very happy when she used it correctly. <laughs> okay, so first off, I mentioned it in the last one, but Twink Kaplan, Miss Geist, was one of, she was the associate producer for the film. And Amy Heckerling, who directed it, was already pretty famous for doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And she also directed Look Who's Talking, which I think was before this as well. Um, Alicia Silverstone at the time was just that girl from the Aerosmith videos, <laughs> uh, which is what I knew her from. Right. I forgot all about that. <laughs> Talk about Marsh. that iconic. That video was iconic. For real. Well, oh she was gosh. in like three or four yeah. different ones. I'm going to have to watch those later. That was the one time in my life where I actually watched MTV was when all of those Aerosmith videos were on. <laughs> I don't remember any of those. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mar- Marcia, or Mar- I think it's Marcia Ross. Um, she was the casting director. And uh, she was really excited to work with Scott Rudin, who was another producer, because he used to be a casting director. And now he was this famous producer, and she was very excited to work with him. And she was also really excited to cast a bunch of young, new faces that had never been seen before. So Amy Heckerling saw Alicia Silverstone from on the Aerosmith video and she immediately knew she would be the perfect share. She had like the sexy yet little girl quality, which made her super cute. And everyone was a little bit nervous that she could pull it off, but she did. <laughs> a natural. Yeah, she was a natural. Brittany Murphy, uh, she read great at the auditions. She had previously been on a lot of small parts on sitcoms. I think she was like, I was on a different sitcom every year for (laughs) like 10 years before this. She's originally from New Jersey, so the accent came naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Stacey Dash was 28, but they loved her because she carried herself like royalty, and that's what they were looking for in the character. Oh my. Donald Faison, or is it Faison? Faison or Faison? I think it's Faison. Uh, Whoops. Okay. I oh, like Faison better. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Donald Faison, they were looking for someone with a like a little kid puppy quality <laughs> and thought he was perfect. They said he could do anything without you getting mad at him because he was such a like a little goof, goofy kid. <laughs> Which now watching high school movies, looking back, I remember watching them at the time and thinking, oh, they look so grown up. And, but like watching them back, I'm like, they look like such babies. <laughs> It always strikes me. Okay, so Paul Rudd didn't get, he didn't understand 
what the script was about at first, but as he read it, he realized that it was actually like really smart. And he had, he auditioned for several of the parts. I think he was up for Elton and uh, maybe Christian even. And Murray. But, um, <laughs> I'm sure it was Murray. Amy liked him because he could pull off smart, but not uptight about it. I would like to mention this about Paul Rudd and Clueless is that if I look back on my life, I think that him in that role was my sexual awakening. Uh, <laughs> you're not the only one. Okay, good. <laughs> I Sometimes I look back on that movie and I'm like, where is my Josh? Where <laughs> is this man? Like, I don't, I don't understand why he has not yet appeared. God. Well, and just to add to that comment, Lindsay, was I think right after this movie, he did the movie The Object of My Affection, which was Ugh. him and Jennifer Aniston. And that that movie is like, I already loved him from Clueless. And then he goes to this movie to play a gay character. And that was right seminal moment in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the combination of the two just really did it for you. Right. Oh, and yes. Anyway, I yeah. love Paul Rudd. Still See, Johnny him. Depp in 21 Jump Street was mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was long before this. Okay. You're so much older than me. So much older. <laughs> <laughs> the whole two years. <laughs> so for Cher's father... Amy wanted someone who would normally be cast as a hitman because <laughs> <laughs> she wanted someone that everyone else would be afraid of, but to share, he's just daddy. And Dan Hedaya was perfect, but he wasn't really scary in real life. Um, and he, they interviewed him. He was like, I just love the whole experience. I felt like she was my daughter for real. <laughs> he seems like such a good man. Yeah. yeah. Like just a good guy. Um, Justin Walker, who played Christian, they wanted someone who wasn't what they seemed, and they really wanted someone with a strong sense of style, and they found that one to be the hardest part to cast. But when he finally got the script, he was like, he said he read it, and he was like, oh, this is me. This is already just <laughs> like me. And he walked down the street and auditioned and got the part. <laughs> Brecken Meyer, who played Travis, she wanted someone who Cher could look down on, like Mr. Martin. Mm. She was afraid, though, that he might be too reminiscent of Spicoli, one of her characters from Fast Times. Yeah. I tried to write it down, and I was like, I don't know how on earth to spell this. (laughs) So it's a very interesting spelling. (laughs) How did you spell it? S-P-I-C-K-O-L-Y. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he said okay for me okay yeah <laughs> i have no idea how do you spell it i think it's s-p-i-c-o-l-i it's italian spicoli oh so maybe like two c's or something right okay so wallace sean is one of amy heckerling's best friends <laughs> in real life That's oh she had him in mind when she wrote it and he actually used to be a teacher so it was perfect for him uh-huh. <laughs> And she said, uh, the movie is glossy, but the characters aren't superficial, which is what made it a success. That was from the first (laughs) documentary. Okay. So then Fox wanted Amy to make a TV show. So this is how it originated. Fox wanted Amy to make a TV show about popular in-crowd kids in high school. And so she wrote it, but then after she wrote it, they passed on it and she decided to switch agents 
and she showed the new agents the pilot and they thought this is too good to be a pilot for a, a tv show we should make this into a movie well wow. so she was reworking it and she remembered the book emma and she reread it and she was like oh this is perfect because emma lives in her own little fantasy and amy wanted to translate that to like a beverly hills version so it's based in Hever Heverly Heverly Bills is based in Beverly Hills. That's uh, that's my uh, my drag name is Heverly Bills. That's, a, that's, a drag name. that's so funny. <laughs> okay, so it's based in Beverly Hills, but it's still a fantasy world. It's not like actual what a real high school would be like at Beverly, in Beverly Hills. So the men at Fox kept wanting her to rewrite it with less girls. <laughs> oh, of course. And a lot of people just didn't get it. So they put the movie in something called Turnaround, which is when they're like, we love it, but we can't make it right now. So it just sits and like, you know, nothing happens with it. But I don't think, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I don't think it would have been as, I mean, I guess great. I don't know if that's the right word, but as great of a nod to a Jane Austen film had it not been full of girls and very oh, girly sure. and very like, you know what I mean? So mm, yeah, I don't like that. Well, that's clearly the, those people didn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> darn you, Hollywood. Well, that's like the allure of the movie is like, if it was full of like 90s, like men or boys, or I don't care. Cause like a lot of the part of this movie is like, not only is it like about the friendships, but it's about like the fashion and it's about like the little phrases and just like the flashiness of like the Jeep and the house. And like, yeah. it was full of like straight men. I just feel like we wouldn't get any of that and it would just kind of like flop. Yeah, and well, and even in the movie, they almost portray the boys as like a little Borg-ish because they're all very, they all dress the same. They all do the same thing. They're just, they're yeah. not as interesting. Let this be a lesson to you, movie makers out there I always fast forward through the men's storylines in a lot of shows especially teenage shows yes and that also be a lesson that uh female written and directed Jane Austen adaptations need to keep happening because the most recent one was also and it was one of the best yes yep we say it every week okay so Scott Rudin who was the um producer he managed to get a look at it and he totally got it right that and so suddenly as soon as he likes it there's a bidding war for it um but just like scott rudin is a gay man i'm pretty sure right <laughs> well if he got it right off the bat <laughs> <laughs> and i guess he worked for paramount so paramount got it in the bidding war bill pope he was the director of photography who he also did the matrix he loved the movie because it was about a girl who you would normally hate and you love her by the end. So he just really liked that turning that trope on its head. Mm -hmm. And he said he couldn't stop complimenting Amy on what a great script it was. And he asked, what should the movie look like? And she said, happy. <laughs> so he got out a bunch of pictures of things that he thought looked happy from comparable movies. And he just put them all out in front of her and said, pick out which ones are happy to you. And she picked them out and that's how they got the look of the movie. Oh, I love it. And it's she great. Says, the look of the movie is awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love super visual directors. And the last two, the, um, Autumn to Wild had a very similar story and how she got the look of her movie. 
but Amy Heckerling said that this movie is the closest she ever got to making what was in her head show up on the screen. Oh. Okay. So Mona May was the costume designer and Amy Heckerling called her as soon as she was done with the script. <laughs> At the time, grunge was still kind of in. So they wanted to make it more colorful, more girl oriented. And she thought Alicia was the perfect little Barbie to dress. <laughs> Her dress was really an Aaliyah. Dion's style was a little more funky. And she said she, they were interviewing uh, Stacey Dash and she was like, working with Mona was a fashion extravaganza. You would go in for a fitting and stay all day long. <laughs> I bet. So I guess it was like a makeover city in there. <laughs> so the makeover was fun to shoot. Ty's original costume was closer to the real fashion of the time. I could see myself wearing what she wore probably to school. And, yeah, she wears um, that like corduroy skirt, right? That like maroon corduroy skirt. Am I remembering that right? I think she's just got like baggy pants and a t-shirt and like a flannel. Oh, when it. we first see her. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amber, she said Amber was really fun because her costumes were so over the top and they were always the most out and always themed. So like, you know, sailor army. <laughs> oh, that's Right, that's funny. And they called Christian the little rat pack boy. <laughs> he wore very classic clothes. And the Heckerling was actually a bridesmaid at the wedding when they're doing the catching of the bouquet. Uh -huh. She's the one pushing everybody around <laughs> in uh -huh. the middle of the That's funny. Twink said she could barely move in the wedding dress because it was so fitted exactly to her. And she actually had this leaning board that she had to lean against <laughs> in her downtime because she couldn't sit because the dress was just too form-fitting. Oh, wow. God. Yeah. And the movie actually started a whole new wave of fashion. Like, after this movie, this actually changed fashion, which is pretty good for a movie. Yeah. A Jane Austen movie. Yeah. <laughs> so Amy Harkling loves slang. She has term, slang term lists going back decades that she has compiled. And every single character in the movie had their own slang that not everyone understands. Some of it was real slang and some of it she just created. And she had to teach all of the actors what, what they meant before they could you know, <laughs> do the lines. I still say whatever to this day <laughs> with the hand sign. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the movie changed not only fashion, but vernacular. Yep. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> As if. If. The driving on the freeway scene was the most complicated scene to film. And the most. And the, re and the most what? Hilarious. And the most terrifying. I was watching it last night and going, oh my God. I was like this the whole time. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I've seen the scene a million times and it's still, my heart is beating for these people. <laughs> that was always my nightmare. Like when I first started driving, I was like, <laughs> I was so terrified to go on the highway. And I was like, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to run up by a semi. And see, I was laughing hysterically through the whole thing. Like, yeah. laughing hysterically. It was my I mean, Dion had been getting in Cher's car the whole time driving with Cher. That is the most dangerous thing she could have done. <laughs> driving on the freeway is nothing compared to what Cher was doing. <laughs> what Cher reminds me of is, I won't name this friend, but one of my <laughs> oldest friends in high school when we all started driving, 
Her car on the right side, the hubcaps were always dented because she would take corners so close to the curb that she would, the curb would dent her, her fender or uh, not the hubcaps. So there were these dents (laughs) on her hubcaps because she'd constantly be taking the corners so (laughs) tightly. And I'm like, stop. People (laughs) learn to drive. Uh, yeah, well, driving in LA on the freeway is definitely more terrifying than here in general. <laughs> True. Yes. Although the people in Jacksonville, I mean, I, I hate to make like local references, but the people in Jacksonville have no idea what they're doing. Oh. Well, I don't understand. I can promise you I've driven a lot of places. Nowhere does anyone know how to drive. In every <laughs> single town, they say, we have the worst drivers here. <laughs> right. That's true. They had released a top five worst cities to drive in list. And Jacksonville was number three. <laughs> I believe Well, it. South Carolina is number South <laughs> Carolina is the, okay, the worst state, period. It's the worst. I hate that I have to travel through that. No one God can even drive in South Carolina. Devil-ridden place to get to Asheville, the place I really want to go. Well, okay. <laughs> Lindsay, you know, my family, we go up to North Carolina, Asheville area a lot. Yeah. We just started, I don't, we will go... 95 north to Georgia, uh, into Georgia to Savannah, and then take 16 and just go through Georgia the whole way. The fact yes. that choosing Georgia as the state you want to drive through says something about you, South Carolina, and I hope you hear this, South Carolina. Me too. Uh, Learn First to drive. of all, here's my other thought on South Carolina. Where, where's your tax money going if you're not going to repair your flipping roads? There's a pothole every 15 feet that nearly kills my car every time. Sorry, I'm yelling. I just, I feel very passionate about this situation. Also, the exits are terrible. When are we going to add another lane? Regional grievances. (laughs) When are we going to add another lane? Thank you, Christian, for that input. You are correct. Yes. And can we not all drive in the left-hand lane at all times with your slow and horrible cruise controls? Oh my God, I hate it. I hate that place. (laughs) I'm sure it's lovely when you get off the highway, but driving through it has never been fun. Right. Okay. Anyway, so... Yeah, their their reactions when they were driving on the freeway are actually very real because it was really terrifying, especially for a bunch of New York kids who don't know how to drive, which is what most of them were. <laughs> um, okay, so the suck and blow game had its own special feature, and I learned that they started off trying to use a credit card, but it was so heavy that they couldn't get any suction, so they ended up with like a paper library card <laughs> and... That's how they managed to uh, get it. Uh, quick, uh, just taking account, has has everybody here played Suck and Blow? Oh, yes. I never have. Oh, Josh, look at us, the two of us. Poor. Oh, God. <laughs> of course. I've played lots of um, more intense <laughs> party games. Oh. I'm sorry, Maya. Excuse me. Stop the podcast. Can we know? What are you talking about? What's more intense than Suck and Blow? It's like, you know, make out with this person (laughs) type of thing. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's funny. You know, high school, drunken parties. I just thought that's a little bit tame from what we did. (laughs) Let me, I'll tell you, I did go to some DA parties when I was in high school and those were some raucous, no rules parties. Like I feared for my life there. 
anyway. Well, we're all, we were all like good kids. So our parents were like, yeah, we trust you. And then every DA party, also I, all performers. <laughs> and yeah. Every DA party I ever went to ended in an orgy. I didn't participate in any of them, but I will tell you that the sexual tension between actors is a palpable thing. Like it is real intense. Um, Lindsay, just on another note, just after this podcast, can you just tell me some more about that story later? Dox those people. You tell me more about those stories later. Next time I see you, I want names. (laughs) I want names of who participated in these orgies. It's a very intense situation. Also, the drug use. Okay, let's not. (laughs) Okay, so the last special feature, they were just talking about how it's so great, the movie is so great, because it's a fun, happy teen movie for smart kids, and it doesn't look down on them, and it's not cynical, and they were never even really thinking of it as a teen movie, when all of the kids from the cast saw it for the first time, they all knew immediately that it would be very popular. And they all thought and still think the world of Amy Heckerling. And they were like, she made it fun. It wasn't at all intimidating. And it created a great time for everyone. She made everyone feel comfortable. She trusted the actors. And it ended up being an (laughs) an iconic movie in pop culture. Sure did. Not to get on like a soapbox about the difference between working with women and men in these kinds of situations, but I don't know if I've ever heard of someone speaking poorly about a female director. And I think it has a lot to do with our, our ability to nurture. Not that men, all men don't have that, but I hear more complaints about male directors screaming and yelling and throwing fits. I've never heard that about a female director ever. Yeah. So word to the wise world. I mean, I'm not saying please. that it's an impossibility. It might just be a ratio problem, but <laughs> sure, I true, think yeah. overall. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. All right. You ready to get into the second half of the recap? Let's. Um, I have two little bits of trivia hmm. that I thought were interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of them was about the costumes. Apparently, the costume budget was one of the smallest budgets on the show. Really? really? Yeah, they said yeah. it was only 200000 I think, was the total costume budget for everyone. Wow. Um, they How did they get that, that Aaliyah dress? <laughs> so they said that the most expensive was the plaid outfit because it was Jean-Paul Gaultier. Um, and apparently, Cher, uh, Alicia Silverstone got to keep every outfit she wore. Mm-hmm. But then she was like, nice. I did it to charity. <laughs> Why? Well, I guess you can't really go out dressed as Cher. <laughs> Yeah, if I were a movie star, I would have in all of my contracts that I get to keep all my costumes. Oh. <laughs> Who has that? Someone from the Golden Girls. Was it Blanche? <laughs> Blanche got to keep all of her costumes, I think, from the Golden Girls. Yeah. Ugh, I want that. Smart. And then the other little bit of trivia was they listed a bunch of the a bunch of other actors who auditioned for role one of the roles and didn't get it. And I thought it was a very interesting list, so I'm gonna share. Yeah, let's hear. Reese Witherspoon auditioned for Cher. Oh. Did you ever see Freeway? It came out around the same time. It had a young Reese Witherspoon. It's way darker than (laughs) Clueless, but I could totally see like Freeway Reese Witherspoon doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I would. And there was that other movie that she did where she was like running for class president or something. Was it called Election? Election? 
So she would have been great. Um, mm-hmm. Terrence Howard auditioned for Murray. Didn't get it. Um, Jeremy Renner auditioned oh. for Christian and Josh. Didn't get it. He's not an actor. Really? Um, okay. Zoe Deschanel auditioned for Amber and Cher. Oh, Robin really? Anderson. Yeah. Um, Owen Wilson auditioned for Travis Birkenstock. <laughs> wow. 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 I would have changed that like a, completely. I would have yeah. thought maybe like a Seth Green or a... Is yeah. it Seth Green? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he also auditioned for Travis. Mm. So I can see that. <laughs> that makes sense because Breck and Meyer and Seth Green are best friends. They've done, yeah, they've done a bunch of stuff. Together. And they were both in Can't Hardly Wait, right? Yeah. See, to yeah. me, Breck and Meyer is the like, when I think about like 90s grunge boy, like goofy sidekick boy, I think of Breck and Meyer, even though I probably couldn't name many of the mo- rat race he was in rat race like many of the movies he did but i just always have that of him he's just that kind of person yeah this one was really interesting leah remini for ty which i thought would have been really good i think she's funny oh who is that leah she's Rem- the king of queens former scientologist former <laughs> scientologist yes she's someone who like exposed the scientology thing she has like that show about escaping it and a book you recognize her if you saw her. Yes. I'm looking at her. What did she do when she was really young? I saw, I saw a picture uh, of her recently. <laughs> what? what did she say? I don't recognize her. Uh, no? I think she's funny. She is funny. But um, I thought it was interesting. And the last one was Lauren Hill for Dion. Uh, oh. That would have been really cool. Lauren Hill? <laughs> Why didn't they... They went with Stacy Dash, which, by the way, we've been really good about not spilling any tea on her this entire time. Just they didn't go with Lauren Hill. I've just been making faces the whole time. Oh, she's the worst, that girl. Mm. Well, she went on to do Sister Act, which was probably even a better part for her. Probably. She got to sing. Was there anything else? No, that was it. Anymore? Okay. That was really interesting. Yeah, definitely. All right, so halfway, we just, you know, Ty is grieving Elton. So (laughs) Cher is trying to find her a new boyfriend, but she scopes out and all the boys in school are gross. And they have this great uh, montage of all of their pants hanging out over their butts. And I so remember that being the same, like, why do boys dress like this at all? It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) But as she's scoping them all out, a dream boat enters Christian. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you. (laughs) And Cher decides she might like him for herself. Frank Churchill, by the way, right? Yep. There's no Jane Fairfax, though. Dion is kind of like Jane Fairfax if they were friends. (laughs) You know, like if she had stayed in town and they become friends. (laughs) Yeah, Dion's kind of like a mashup of a bunch of them. The Jane Fairfax is actually the guy working the concession stand that... So Cher decides that she might like him for herself, but first she has to do her oral. <laughs> and her speech is like, until mankind is peaceful enough not to have violence on the news, there's no point in taking it out of shows that need it for entertainment value. <laughs> and I was like, I 
again, a perfect argument, Cher. <laughs> she gets another standing ovation. <laughs> I know, she's not even getting applauded. That's what I love. Every time she does one of these speeches, the class is like, oh, yes, slow claps. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo, woo, woo. I know. God, how what I wouldn't do to just be applauded after every, <laughs> every decision <set>. I make. <laughs> So then Cher does what any normal girl would do. She sends herself flowers and love letters and candy. She draws attention to her mouth and shows a little skin because it makes boys think of sex. <laughs> and then Christian kind of asks her out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And he goes to pick her up at her house with his best James Dean impression. Yes. <laughs> She comes down to meet him in her skimpy white dress and manages to catch Josh's attention. Oh. And I love the little smile that, oh wait, we haven't gotten to it yet. They go out, they see Christian's fancy car and then Josh feels that he has to go to the party and dad gives this little smile. He's like, he knows what's up. Exactly. I love just that little like smile. That. What was that? Oh, I just said it was just like, um, especially in the new Emma where it's, it almost reminds me of the, the partition scene at the end where he's like, don't you feel a draft? Like, aren't you cold? Like, yes. And kind of like yes. them off so they have privacy. I know. I was like, Mr. Woodhouse. Yeah. What were you going to say, Lindsay? <laughs> I also love in that scene when she comes down and he's like, what are you wearing? And she's yeah. like, daddy, I'm going to put something over it. And what she puts over it is a sheer, <laughs> like, button down like i'm like longer than the dress it's longer than the dress it covers nothing (laughs) it gives the appearance of modesty that's right that's how we're all living just the appearance of modesty this is so weird too like why is she going to josh's friend's party and why are all the high school kids at this party and why is it not a party it's a fucking concert right it's like right that's right (laughs) what band was that I think it was like Mighty Mighty Boston's or something, some ska band. When the, <laughs> the band started playing and Christian goes, is this ska? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. It's a ska. It's just uh, Yeah, it's a ska party. And I wrote, this is not a college party. <laughs> I said, Maybe some sort of concert organized by the school, you know, and like one of their buildings <laughs> wonder if maybe it was like one of those ones where it was like a party and like they were this band was like posing as like a local college band and they were just performing at the party or something because all the kids really liked them or something i don't know at florida state we used to have uh when i lived on campus they had like concert series and like they would have little acts like that come and play and like the converted rallies <laughs> or burning, <laughs> or whatever it was during the day and it had a stage at night <laughs> that's what it was reminding me of okay so sharon christian are dancing ty shows up and immediately falls down the stairs and she looks like <laughs> punky brewster in this scene <laughs> uh they <She> notice <laughs> yes <laughs> They notice that Elton and Amber are dancing and Christian says, total Hagsville. (laughs) (laughs) Dad giveaway. Yeah, there was no indication at all that he might or might not have been interested in her. (laughs) It's like a little disappointing in Cher. Like she's 
perceptive in general, but she's like completely blind to the. She assumes everyone's going to love her. (laughs) Well, that girl hasn't been blinded by uh, a gay man who's not completely out of the closet. Yeah, what girl? When you have a crush on someone, you're willing (laughs) to look over a lot of things. (laughs) Exactly. Plus, she's just obsessed with having having him for herself that she is just like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to argue my way into it. Yeah. This is where she says that um, Amber is a Monet. Okay from a distance, but not good (laughs) close-up. I love that one. Classic line. That's a classic line. It is, Classic. Christian Christian goes to the bar and flirts with the bartender, and Cher knows that he's falling for her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... So Ty is awkwardly hanging out on the side of the dance floor. This is the dance. <laughs> it's bothering Cher that Ty is unhappy. But happy surprise, Josh asks her to dance. And he's just jumping around and twirling her around. <laughs> and everybody's happy for a minute. <laughs> so the party's over, but Christian is still dancing. And Josh says he'll drive the girls home. And they grab some snacks for the lawyers back home, which is just such a nice, like, random moment of, like, she's a, a good person. <laughs> yeah. She's um, surprised that hanging out at home is actually sometimes more fun than partying. <laughs> <laughs> and her and Josh are kind of bonding, and she tells him that he should stay for spring break. And she says, you're not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and they watch some Ren and Stimpy, and it's way existential. <laughs> okay so now we're having a actual date with christian he's gonna come over and bring some movies and sheriff's to call dion and have her come over so they can pick out clothes and get ready and sheriff's convinced that she's having sex tonight (laughs) she throws an entire roll of cookies into the oven several (laughs) hours before he gets there and they (laughs) She's, there's also a really funny moment where she's really red and Dion is like, I'm trying to make you as white as I can. <laughs> I love that moment. That whole sequence of scenes is so good. Yeah. Like her, like with the makeup brush on her nose and Cher just like, I can't wait for this to happen. And then when she <laughs> unrolls the cookie dough and yeah. it's just one log of cookie dough slam onto the, that's so great. I love yeah. that. Uh, so he comes over, they watch some Tony Curtis movies because he has a thing for Tony Curtis. <sighs> Cher is trying to make moves and Christian is like pointedly rebuffing them. She falls off the bed, which is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and the second that she mentions sex, he suddenly has to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and she's disappointed and wonders what's wrong with her. Um, let's keep in mind that the movie they're watching is Spartacus, which is <laughs> one of the gayest movies of all time. <laughs> and I don't think very sexy. I haven't seen it, but the not- clip they were watching was not particularly sexy. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. <sighs> she is clearly clueless in this scene. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, okay. So... <laughs> Dion is practicing driving. (laughs) 
Uh, Cher is talking about what happened last night and Murray starts cracking up when he hears that Cher almost had sex with Christian and he lets them know that Christian is gay, which I don't remember the whole string of things he says, but it's <laughs> pretty funny. Friend of Dorothy. It was on that quiz we took. <laughs> I'm curious about this as a pop culture thing. Does he actually use the word gay? Does he say that Christian is gay? Yeah. Oh, he does. He goes to that like string of like, you know, euphemisms. And then they're like, no. And he's like, yeah, he's gay. Yeah. He Interesting. Says, okay. It's a disco dancing, Oscar Wilde reading, Streisand ticket holding friend of Dorothy. <laughs> All of those things are true. A good Judy. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't understand the good Judy. Not we need to get on this subject, but I recently learned what a good Judy was. And when it was explained to me, I went, I love it. Like, of course, me. Way too excited about something. I was like, oh my God, I love that. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, a good Judy. Wow. <laughs> not that I'm going to use it. I'm just saying that I fell in love with it when I heard it. Well, you're not allowed to. <laughs> right <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm okay with that uh, so the gay distraction causes dion to accidentally get on the freeway and they scream a lot and almost get run over by uh, so many different cars including an old lady who flicks them off outside her window <laughs> and i wrote the stress exclamation point exclamation point Wait. <laughs> Do we already pass the part of where uh, Dion and Murray are in the car going somewhere and they've got the book, the map that they're trying to Oh, read? Yes. that's on the way to the valley party. I, yeah, all right. Because I was like, I vividly, I told Krishna, I said, this is the time when you had one of these maps in your car because if you're having yeah. somewhere, you had to like figure out how to get there. God, I mean, I remember going on road trips and having one first time going to Athens, Georgia, and having to have a map quest printed out to go through all these towns through Georgia to get there. I mean, it was crazy. Yes. Oh, oh, the 90s. I have some crazy stories about using map quest in its early stages. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, they almost get run over. Oh, I'm so lost. <laughs> oh, okay. So they get off the freeway and they say, getting off the freeway makes you realize how important love is. <laughs> the scare pushes Dion's virginity from technical to non-existent and now Cher wants a boyfriend <laughs> she's still buds with Christian though he's her favorite shopping partner and they're at the mall when Ty's flirting with some boys turns deadly <laughs> they threaten her life by almost throwing her off the balcony kind of Christian saves her very uh, macho fashion and Cher is kind of over tie at this point. <laughs> Obviously, so are those boys. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to throw her. The whole school like blows up this story immediately and Ty is the center of attention. Cher is very annoyed by not being the center of attention anymore. And, uh, Ty is really rude to Travis, which seems very out of character uh, for her. That's such a break my heart moment because he his heart is so broken. I'm like, he is yeah. one of the best guys in the movie. He's so yeah. yeah. She she gets a big head for about a week. Um, <laughs> so Dion at, 
even Dion is asking Ty for sex advice. And now Cher also, on top of all of this, has to take a driving test. And she can't find her perfect shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this actually, this moment is the Miss Bates moment, I think, when she's rude to, um, um, uh, I didn't write her down her name, the maid. Is yeah. it Lucy? Lucy. Yeah, yeah Lucy. Yeah. She's rude to Lucy and Josh. And, oh no, she's rude to Lucy. Josh gets mad at her. I think that's the, like, Miss at the party part. Yes. Yeah. During the test, she almost kills a biker. She hits a car <laughs> and she fails. <laughs> she hit that car and, pretty hard. <laughs> like it wasn't oh, like can a, I leave a note? <laughs> yeah. I mean she takes off the whole side of it practically. <laughs> and she's driving in the middle of the road. <laughs> it's like <laughs> And she can't talk her way out of it. She says, I failed at something I couldn't talk my way out of. And when she gets home, Ty is there flirting with Josh. And she comes in. Cher is like at her lowest of the lows. And Ty is just like, I need you to help me deal with my heartache over Elton. So turn on your fireplace and let's get down to business. (laughs) And... (laughs) So she's burning the stuff that reminds her of Elton, a tea towel. She tries to burn a tape and Cher is like, no, and that's so Emma. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, she says that she's met a new guy who is a meeting and she wants Cher to help her get Josh. And the news makes Cher very uncomfortable. She doesn't think they would mesh well together. And Ty says, why am I even listening to you? You're a virgin who can't drive. And Cher's like, that's way harsh, Ty. And man, she's reached rock bottom. (laughs) That is harsh. It's the way she says it too, with her accent. You're a virgin who can't drive. (laughs) That's a very harsh, Ty. I love it. What I love um, about this, the fireplace scene was I feel like Amy Heckerling understood the ridiculousness of that scene because I always think yes. that's when is Paltrow Harriet doing it, Tony Collette, where she's like burning the stuff and it's like like a piece of tissue or gauze that he had touched or something. It was like the most ridiculous thing. And it just, I love how like she points out because it's like, a towel that he put her head on at the party. and He didn't even give her that towel. Cher made that towel up and gave it to her. <laughs> right. I feel like she understood the ridiculousness <laughs> of it and the humor in it. Yeah. If anything, Travis should get the credit because he came in with a bunch of ice in his hands. Like, let me put it in the towel. <laughs> exactly. Good old Travis Birkenstock. Yeah. Cher <laughs> has created a monster. <laughs> And she just has to get out. So she goes walking and she comes to the conclusion that she is totally clueless. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Such a discovery right there. Um, So she's thinking about why would Ty even like Josh? And that's when she starts to realize that Josh is actually totally hot and that she is in love with Josh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nothing like your isn't best friend being in love with someone to make you fall in love with them <laughs> i mean isn't that the way that it goes <laughs> not that i don't believe her feelings are real and probably have a lot more basis in reality than ties but still <laughs> yeah 
But now she doesn't know how to act around him. She, this is really funny, when she's pacing outside her dad's office and like kind of looking in and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you dancing outside my office? (laughs) (laughs) And she has to have a heart to heart with him. And dad is awesome. And he tells her that she shouldn't be with a stupid boy who doesn't recognize her worth anyway. (laughs) So sweet. At this point, we kind of understand though that the dad is to use a a modern contemporary term, shipping Josh and Cher, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because of that little smile that he gives when he's like, I'm going to go to the party. I'm I'm going to keep an eye on for it. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Cher now wants to have a soul makeover. (laughs) (laughs) She notices how great her friends can be when no one is looking which is such a sweet little moment. She's like, I'm just noticing how nice everyone is around me. You know, I'm just taking a minute to look at other people and look at their good moments. And she volunteers to help Miss Geis with a good cause, the Pismo Beach Disaster, which I was listening to, um, I think it was Best Friends this week. I (laughs) guess Nicole was like, I thought the Pismo Beach Disaster was a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) She was saying how they were going to Pismo Beach. She was like, she was like, oh, I get to see the Pismo Beach disaster ruined. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, first off, it was maybe the 70s when they were referencing it. So there wouldn't be ruins. Oh my God, so hilarious. I love it. Uh, So she's helping to organize it. Travis comes in and he donates his bong because he's going through a 12-step program. And... He invites, well, they can't remember the number of steps. So Cher helps him with that one. But he invites Cher to his skateboarding competition. I wrote skating competition. Do you, do you just call it skating, not skateboarding? Skateboarding. It'd be so confusing if you lived in a household with skateboarders and roller skaters. You'd never know which kind of skating you were going to go do. <laughs> wow, and that seems like a scenario that would come up <laughs> so often to worry about. <laughs> okay so (laughs) good things maya worries about what would i do in the event that i lived in a household (laughs) yes if i had to use the word skating in a common (laughs) (laughs) so anyway share goes to the skate competition and ty is there and she wants to apologize because i think this is like a week later (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah she's realized that she was wrong and they apologize to each other and promise to never fight again it's very sweet this is just like in the emma movie Mm -hmm. i love it when they make up (laughs) yeah travis is oh yeah go ahead i just say there's just like their friendship is like meant to last yeah yes uh travis is skating the half pipe (laughs) you just have neighbors with one in their backyard (laughs) And Ty is still in love with him. Oh, Mr. Martin. So Cher and Josh are back at home flirting with each other as they're helping out with the uh, highlighting of dates or whatever for this lawsuit. And the other lawyer is super rude to Cher. That guy is the worst. Awful. I know. He comes out of nowhere. First of all, that <laughs> actor must just be the worst. They were like, here's your four lines. Just be a jerk. And he comes out of nowhere with some real passion that I just don't understand. 
I know. I was like, she's just, I mean, she's helping you for free. So how much behind can you really be? And then he makes some really misogynistic comment about how like that he's only flirting with her or whatever to like, oh, it was not the moment for me. What's crazy is that she was doing what her dad told her to do. And then also he was saying how he was going to get in trouble for this. And then he was like, well, I'm not going to get in trouble for this. I'm calling out tomorrow. As if that'll let him off the hook. Yeah, not right. Did you not know that that's how that works? If you screw up at work, just call it the next day. <laughs> and they'll forget about it. Yeah. I've heard that that's a sure plan. <laughs> Especially for lawyers. I'm sure he was not at the wedding at the end. <laughs> no, not invited. Yeah, but Josh defends her as he's getting told off for flirting. And he goes to comfort her. And Paul Rudd is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> He very cutely tells her that he thinks she's beautiful and she swoons and admits that she cares about him. And they kiss and she just has such doe eyes. <laughs> like her mm-hmm. eyes are like big baby eyes. And they kiss again. And then we see a wedding. She's like, guess what happens next? And she's like, oh, as if. <laughs> <laughs> It's that's Miss Geis and Mr. Hall getting married. Hooray! And at the wedding, the girls are all talking about how their weddings are going to be. Dion is going to have a sailor theme, and Ty is going to have all flowers. And um, (laughs) I love how Dion she wants sailor hats with veils. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to visualize that and it looks bad she loves a themed hat (laughs) Uh, yeah maybe she's planning on there being water you know like a sailor hat veil yeah maybe on a ship might help with the water situation I don't know (laughs) so um, they're throwing the bouquet Cher promises to catch the bouquet so that Josh can win the pool on whose girl is going to catch the bouquet and after struggling with Amber on the ground with it, Cher comes up with it, and there's more kissing and credits dance party. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> that whole wedding, the bouquet catching thing, it's so weird now thinking about that. All those girls, besides like the few adults, were 15 years old trying to catch a bouquet at a wedding. Right. I'm sure, they're all 16 by now. <laughs> yeah, she is 16, 16 then. So. Sorry. You know, I was thinking, like, if that movie had come out, you know, in the last 10 years and been as successful as it was, we would have had a Clueless 2 by now. Oh, for sure. We would have had yeah. a Clueless. Well, they did have a Clueless TV show, I think, at one they point. They did, yeah. They did. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't it. know if we'll cover that on the podcast. <laughs> no. I heard it. I don't think she's in it. No, it's somebody else. Yeah, it's like... I don't know how based on Emma the series is. Yeah, I I just heard it's not that good at all. (laughs) I think it only lasted like two or three seasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if that... Safety Dash was on it, right? Who? Exactly. Uh, Um, Yes, I think she's one of... Faison was in it. Oh. Well. And I think... Maybe even Amber. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The coach. Okay, well, should we say our favorite moments? I totally forgot mine. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. I know. 
specific one that really stood out? You know what? I think my favorite <laughs> is when she's pacing outside her dad's door and he gives her a little pep talk about how she's better than any of those stupid boys anyway. And he's just such a great moment between her and her dad. And it is a very like Emma reminiscent moment to be, even though it's totally different. <laughs> yes. It's just that sweet relationship. Yeah. Um, hmm. well, I already told y'all my favorite is the mistakenly getting on the highway scene is <laughs> oh, yes. just hilarious yeah. to me. A very effectively stressful scene <laughs> to me. Like little things in movies. Like I like little moments as opposed to like, I like that whole speech. So I'm going to go back to what we talked about in the first episode, which was the lemon from the tree situation. Yes. I love that. The other thing that I always remember is when they're leaving the party and they're arguing about what car Ty is going to get into, whether they're going to go with Eleanor, whatever. And Ty gets in that car and she's holding <laughs> the light up snowman from the party. I don't know why. I love that. I think that's so funny. I also wonder why is it still lit up if she's in a car? It must have been connected to a cord somewhere that they were going to rip out. Uh, as yeah, soon did as she they bring it with her in the first place? That did that girl bring that, and then she's like, "I gotta take it back home with me now that we're done." No, I don't know. I, I feel like that's just one of those things where, like, when you go to a party, maybe I'm the only person that did this, but when you go to a house party, you take something from the house. I've heard that's a thing you do. I don't think that's proper etiquette. That's not something you do. Is that just something I did? Because uh oh, I've heard of it. I've just never done it myself. Listen, what about you, Christian? What's your uh, favorite? I have a favorite scene, and then I have an observation that I've made throughout the movie that I thought was funny to mention. Um, my favorite scene is after the whole mall tie near death incident, when Cher's walking through the courtyard and she's like saying how out of proportion it's getting blown, and <laughs> the girl walks up to her, the snowman girl, and she says, is it true that Cher almost got shot up by those two gangsters at the mall? <laughs> And it's just like, the, you know, the easy comedy of it being elevated to something that it's not. And it just yeah. makes me laugh. That's how high school rumors go. Exactly. Um, but my, That's funny. I was going to say, my, real quick, the observation I made was throughout the movie from beginning to end, if you look at like the extras, like the high school extras. The nose. Um, the nose and the chins. Everyone has <laughs> yes. either a nose job or a chin job. Yes. They all have just going to school. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we used to play this. I played this drinking game before where every time you spot somebody with a nose job, a fresh nose job, mm -hmm. you drink. You, you're drunk 30 minutes into the movie <laughs> because there are so many examples of people with really? plastic surgery. It's insane. But it just makes, makes me laugh because it's like, you know, it's the whole Paris Hilton kind of like era are going into that where everyone is just like, you know, nose jobs and all that other stuff was like the big come on. Yeah. just made me laugh. Yeah. It was really hard to write the recap because there's so many tiny little moments. And then I'm like, I don't need the recap to be like 3000 words, <laughs> just right. every single little moment. But like when they, there's a point where they're all in the locker room, the three girls and they're all hugging, but behind them and walking all around them are girls in their bras and they're fully clothed, but like just, it's just so random, like the back behind the scene, <laughs> what's going on in any given scene. So yeah, I think we got a lot of them though. Yeah. Just between us. 
So for the deep dive for this week, I am doing something a little fun with the astrology because I didn't want to do any research <laughs> into a character. <laughs> but I found two different sources that took the horoscope and assigned clueless um, characters to them. And so I thought we could compare them and see which ones they agreed on and the ones that they disagreed on, we can decide for ourselves which is the proper way to go. <laughs> okay. So the first one I found was from a tweet by Astro Poets from a couple years ago. I follow them. They're kind of fun if you like astrology. They had for Aries, Murray, for Taurus, Cher, Gemini, Ty, Cancer, Mr. Hall, Leo, Amber, <laughs> Virgo, Christian, Libra, Dion, Scorpio, Elton, Sagittarius, Josh, Capricorn, Cher's dad, Aquarius, Travis, and Pisces, Miss Geist. Who was the Aries? Murray. 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 Okay. That seems about right. Um, well, like a true Leo, I don't know or care about any of the other signs other than my own. <laughs> so my, my, I'm not going to be able to contribute to this very much. <laughs> well, I will say both of the ones I found agreed that Leo was Amber. But yeah. when we're done with this, I have a case to make for Cher being a Virgo Leo cusp. <laughs> <laughs> even though that's not cano canonically her birthday. Okay, so then I found one from Screen Rant. Now, they said that the Aries was Cher, that the Taurus was Elton. They agreed that Gemini was Ty, Cancer, Mr. Hall, Leo, Amber, Virgo, Christian. They said that Libra, instead of being Dion, was Murray, and that Scorpio was Dion. Uh -huh. They agreed Sagittarius on Josh, Capricorn on Cher's dad, but they said that Miss Geis was an Aquarius and Travis was a Pisces. I will just point out, not to refute before you even started your argument that Cher is a Virgo, she does say her birthday is in April, so. Yes, yes so she's a Taurus, for sure. Well, <laughs> or an Aries. Yeah. Or an Aries. Okay, so the first ones to figure out would be Aries and Taurus. Now, for Aries, they originally said Murray and Cher, and, and for Taurus, Cher and Elton. Okay, so Aries. Aries are trailblazers, passionate and independent. They will never do something just because everyone else is doing it. They will always tell you what they are thinking with frankness that can border on rudeness. <laughs> Once an Aries sets a goal, they will achieve it and love their own company. Motto, when you know yourself, you're empowered. When you accept yourself, you're invincible. My thought was that Elton would be more of an Aries, personally, when I was rearranging them all in my head, because he's kind of rude, <laughs> but he's also kind of independent, you know. Mm -hmm. I get um, the whole honesty thing, um, being rude. I almost take that as like unintentionally being rude, like just being honest. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like he would be rude first. Like that would be his intention would be to be mean. Yeah, I don't think it's his intention, though. I think he's just being honest to his own self, and his own self is just kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't think, actually, that all of these characters necessarily fit into all of these astrology signs. But to me, I thought, because I think that Cher is more of a Taurus than an Aries, personally. And I just, of all of the other ones, I would say definitely Elton over Murray and Dion. 
Probably, yeah. I don't think Murray is an Aries. Do you think Murray is an Aries? No. No. I would, I would say Elton. Maybe Dion. Uh, yeah, but I think she's definitely a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't, okay. I'm not versed in the signs as much either. So um, anything you say, I'll probably agree with. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, listen to me. And <laughs> agree with I'm going to disagree with everything. I'm going to be like, absolutely not. Just okay, for well, for Taurus, which I do agree, Cher could definitely be a Taurus. Smart, ambitious, and trustworthy. Amazing friends, colleagues, and partners. They value honesty above all else. They are willing to see others' points of view, but won't flip-flop on an opinion to make someone happy. They are the hardest working sign in the Zodiac and will pull an all-nighter to get things done. Also a passionate sign that seeks out pleasure and is built for partnerships. They can be stubborn and sometimes lazy when trying to fulfill someone else's demands. Motto, nothing worth having comes easy. Well, as somebody who is an Aries Taurus cusp, I think that is what Cher is. Because she has some of both of those qualities. Well, I mean, Virgo Leo cusp would be very similar because it's an earth fire cusp. But yeah, I definitely think she could be a Taurus because of her really good friendships and, you know, her lovingness and she is smart ambitious trustworthy you know she is a hard worker right so i would say i would put shared more of a taurus than an aries personally if i had to pick one i agree after those descriptions but she definitely has some fiery qualities to her okay so for the next two libra scorpio that's murray and dion or you know what was the other one that could have been i don't know elton could have been a Scorpio, they said. Maybe. Okay, so Libra. Intelligent, kind, always willing to put others before themselves. They value harmony in all forms. They like to look good and are ruled by Venus, the planet of beauty. Masters of compromise and diplomacy, they're good at seeing all points of view. They can be amazing at making big plans, but following through can be tricky. They're attracted to intelligence, which they find just as important as appearance when it comes to partners. Motto, no person is an island. And I just think maybe Murray, because he's really good at like arguing, not arguing, but like making the situation right, you know, in those couple of moments where like Dion is like, yeah, and he's like, oh, I can ease the rough waters. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like in that scene when she's like, how many times do I have to tell you to stop calling me woman? Yeah. And he goes into that long spiel about how like, it's not, you know, whatever. I wish I yeah. had the quote. I don't. <laughs> We don't see that much of Murray, but I feel like he's the kind of person who would make everybody at the party feel welcome, you know? Yes. Which feels like a Libra thing. Okay, and then Scorpio, which I think is Dion. Passionate, independent, and unafraid to blaze their own trail no matter what others think. They love debate and aren't afraid of controversy. They hate people who aren't genuine and are all about being authentic. They can seem intimidating, but are very in tune with their emotions. Their mutable emotions cause them to develop a hard shell that is hard to pierce, but once you do, they are intensely loyal. Motto, you never know what you're capable of until you try. I like that. that. Her dad? No, it's a Dion. Oh, Dion. Scorpio. Oh, duh. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah. That seems spot on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then for the last two, we have Miss Geis and Travis, which they both were both, you know, they put them both for both. So we'll see what we think. Aquarius, independent and enigmatical, Aquarians are unique. Because they are so individual, it can be tough to describe them as a group. 
They don't like labels, even good ones. They believe in change and evolution. They have a strong sense of social justice. Their intellectual and analytical nature can make them seem aloof, but they do have a deep passion. They believe in the innate goodness of people and will not doubt you even when you doubt yourself. Motto, there is no me, there is only we. <laughs> <laughs> and Pisces, smart, creative, and deeply intuitive. They can be close to psychic. They feel things deeply and have a very strong gut reactions. They may feel like they have an internal and an external self. They have an active imagination and love to spend time reading, exploring, and creating art, which can help them understand their emotions. They may come across as quiet, but when they speak up, people listen. They are accepting and non-judgmental non motto, I believe. Which, so, what sign was that? That's Pisces. I think Miss Geis is that 100%, more so than the, the other one you read. Really? I oh, yeah. totally disagree. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was saying Aquarius. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that she seems more like more interested in the whole. Well, Travis feels like he's in his emotions, which is why I feel like Pisces is more about being in your emotions and, or, you know, really going with the flow. And, well, Aquarians are more like, I don't get this person. They're kind of weird. They're a little bit of an oddball. They, you know, are more interested in the collective, which feels more like a misguised thing to me. But, you know, both of these um, lists that we have disagree. They have the opposite of each other. So <laughs> <laughs> either one is right. There is no right or wrong. <laughs> I feel like what do you say, Josh or Christian? I, just, I feel like those signs are somewhat interchangeable in a way in like the little minute details of them. But I feel like, so I feel like they could both technically be either one. I think it just depends on your viewpoint of... I think the reason why I picked the second one and not the first was because as a teacher, she's more involved with the collective. But when we see those moments of her outside of the classroom or even like when we learn about the little love affair or whatever, she seems more like the second one. Mm. 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 I definitely don't think that Travis is an Aquarius. <laughs> he is definitely a Pisces. Maybe they both have very similar birthdays to each other. Maybe they're both cuspers. Maybe. Now I will say for my, <laughs> even though they say when Cher is born, but I think she's got a very like, what do you call it? Compartmentalization thing going on in her mind. Like she likes, everything is organized. She's very on top of what she needs to do at any given moment to make things happen, which feels very Virgo to me. They put Christian as the Virgo. But she also really loves attention and she does have a little bit of an ego. So that's why I think maybe a Virgo Leo cusp. But I think saying a Taurus Aries would probably be very similar. You know. Agreed. I like that Taurus <laughs> I think a little better personally. Because you live with one? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, no, I just th I think of like, because my mom is a Leo and I just I feel like Leos are a little bit more headstrong than Cher is, if that makes sense. Because I, if, if, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Lindsay and Maya just both looked at you like, excuse me? <laughs> no, I just think like, uh, no, I was thinking head, uh, Aries is also can be described as headstrong too. So I think it, maybe it's just a fire trait. Yeah. Well, I just think of like Leo's as like taking charge, like not afraid to, not that she's afraid to take charge, but I feel like she's not the, she's not the person to kind of like, almost automatically 
assume that role. If that she's makes not sense. the one. That's why I think she's like a Virgo who's like maybe at the very beginning of Virgo because <laughs> she enjoys the attention. She doesn't go out of her way to seek it out, but anytime anyone's <laughs> applauding her, she is like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, because she's the kind of girl that walks around and says things like, look at me, I'm to be viewed. I'm not going to tell, I'm like not going to make it a thing, but like, I'm just going to stand here. You have to make the choice to view me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, final thoughts. Anybody want to go first? Sure. I have always loved this movie and I will continue to always love this movie. I always, it's almost like always watching it for the first time. Like I'm always laughing at all the same things over and over again. Like it's never laid out or dated to me in a, in a way that makes it like unwatchable. And I think like the older you get and the more you understand about this movie, the more you appreciate how smart it is and how much of an impact it had. So I love it. Yeah. Well, I'd say that kind of speaks to the brilliance of Jane Austen, you know, because it's essentially her story that no matter how you update it, the story still, you know, resonates with people. And I think for me, I haven't seen this movie in at least 10 years, if not 15. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I saw it a bunch when it came out. Um, but it's been a long time and it still holds up. It is still such a wonderful movie, such great performances. Like Christian said, it's hilarious still. I, you know, I, it's just one of those movies that I think will always be great. It'll always be enjoyable. And damn it, where is Alicia Silverstone? I need more stuff with her. Why is she not a bigger star than- It's on the Babysitter's Club. (laughs) It's on the Babysitter's Club. You gotta watch it. (laughs) Yes. Another note I want to make um, is that I've noticed, especially with like a lot of fashion making like a resurgence back into like the 70s and 90s lately, that mm-hmm. a lot of these clothes are like almost exact replica, replicas are, you know, at Forever 21 at all these places right now that are easily accessible. So like, it's so interesting to like, think about like when it came out and how all the fashion was like, so like cool, but like, you know, how accessible was it? And nowadays it's like, you can get that share outfit probably for like 50 bucks. Yeah, isn't it cool how the share outfit, the iconic yellow one, kind of matches with the new Emma's yellow signature yeah. color. Yeah. The drunk one. Austin girls, uh, one of them loves to sew her own like period costumes and stuff. And she made a share inspired um, Regency dress with like the plaid, the yellow plaid. It was really cool. <laughs> I love it. I'll say my next final thoughts is that This movie, even though it's clearly in a certain spot in time, it feels timeless in its own way. And I love how, you know, non-cynical it is. I love how kind the characters are, even though they're not perfect or anything. Like a lot of the stuff that I love about the story of Emma is what I love about this version. And it's not just because of the story it's because amy heckerling really brought that quality to it and i just think it's a great movie and it's just one you can watch anytime and have fun and escape for an hour and a half and it just brings me back so nostalgically because like i said i still use the language it influenced me greatly and my uh 
life. <laughs> Not oh, yeah. the fashion so much, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know now I will, from here on out the rest of my life, I will sporadically go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can always use it in a sentence. You can. <laughs> That's right. I would say that like, there's two things that I love about this movie the most. One is that a lot happens in less than two hours. They do a really good job of filling the time with the storyline. I do think towards the end of the movie, they're kind of like rushed to figure out how to end it. I don't know. It always felt to me like, oh, and then it was over. And it was like, okay, well, that was weird. I mean, as much as I love it. And the second thing that I love about it is that it puts popular quote popular girls in a light that you can better yourself and you can be kind and you don't have to do it in a nasty what I'm assuming is a mean girl's way because again I've never seen that um <laughs> that and yeah that I'm aware of um I think they do a really good job of like showcasing a girl that can be popular, that wants to do other things for other girls in her high school, even though it is a little vain in its nature. I don't like watching movies where people are just mean to other people. So that's one of the reasons why I love this so much. Yeah. I, I do want to say about the whole, like I, the idea of like a popular girl not being mean is that I love how like, how much this movie goes against those like misogynistic high school teen girl movies where they're always like, well, this like tall, thin blonde girl has to be a bitch the whole time and no reason for it. She's girls are just mean to each other for no reason. It's just like that whole idea that men don't understand female relationships. And what I love about this movie is like, you know, whenever they're quote unquote, like mean to each other, it's always like that good natured friend picking on you fun. And there's always good intentions behind their actions and it's never a thing where someone is made to feel less because yeah. of them. Well, and I think you could make the argument to some people would that like, of course, Cher is mean. She shakes on Ty. She tries to change Ty from this like perfectly happy person that she was before and tries to make her one of them. And that argument would hold if at the end of the movie, Cher was like, when Ty sort of goes back to some of those roots, Cher had a problem with it, but really she doesn't. Right, yeah, she grows, like how Emma does, she grows through the movie and realizes that like, you know, I you know, I don't have to change people for them to like, you know, I should just accept people for who they are basically is the, what the, the underlying yeah. meaning of that yeah. relationship is. Yeah, and even from the beginning, I don't think she's like, oh, this girl is horrible. I think it's more like, you're in a new place, girl. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> yeah, and that's also the vibe that it gave me. It was never like, oh, this dumpy girl, we've got to make her popular. It's like, she from the beginning, the intention was to not let make her feel like she's left out and like the new exactly. girl. It always felt very nurturing. Yeah. Another good point to bring up is that love is always just around the corner and it could be your ex stepbrother. <laughs> I will say, you know, I mean, I don't it think could that there's be. that big of a difference. I think it's conceivable that he was maybe a senior when she was a freshman. Maybe I don't know. I'm just saying it's maybe not that 
big of a difference. I'm just saying that in the Epstein era of things, this might have been looked at a little differently right. than it was in the 90s. Well, and they clearly <laughs> to be don't... fair, the book is like a 20 year difference. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it might have, um, she might have say, tried to say as true to the book as she could have without making it like obscene. Um, right. But I would also contribute it to that whole thing of that call me by your name thing where um, it's just the actor, uh, like Timothy Chalamet looks like he's 14, but he's actually supposed to be a little older. And uh, Army Hammer looks like he's almost 30, but he's supposed to be younger. And so I think it's just like the dynamics of like age gap around that is always really tricky. Yeah, it's true. Right. Well, they do a good job of making Josh the he he's a good person. You never yeah. once feel like he's going to take advantage of this right. situation. It's never predatory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And never. she's known him forever, and it was her right. realization that made it happen in the first place. Yeah. Right. So, you know, <laughs> we touched on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So recommendations. I have no idea. I <laughs> have thought of like three and totally forgotten them all. <laughs> I can go first if you'd like. Yes, please. So I'm going to recommend something I've never recommended before, and it's hair products. Oh. oh. <laughs> I have been going on this journey with my hair basically my whole life because I've I had longer hair in high school, but I did not take care of it because I was a stupid teenager and it was gross and just eventually cut it all off. But I recently have like wanted to just see what it's like to have long hair in my adulthood. And I've been trying to grow my hair out and my hair goes really slow and I have like scalp dermatitis issues. But I have been turned on to this brand called Arnco recently. Semi-recently, my hairstylist uses a lot of it. It's just got really great products that are, you know, like that list of like paraben free, cruelty free, whatever. It's all those. And they just have like every product they have has heat protectant and UV protectant in it. So it protects your scalp from heat and the sun. And they're just like really good quality products. Like I just bought a scalp scrub and a a styling cream because my hair has gotten longer. So I can't really use like a pomade anymore or anything like that. And the scalp scrub was great. It's almost like a treatment. So I'm only going to use it once a week, but I really love it, how I felt after. And then the styling cream, it's just like, you can feel the quality of your hair after. And I remember I was texting Josh and uh, after I had like finished doing my hair and everything, I was like, I feel like I'm in a Garnier Fructis commercial. Like, it just feels <laughs> so amazing. And my hair, like, it just I've felt- been watching you put your hands through your luxurious locks this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know, it's crazy. And what's crazy also is that usually when I wake up, my hair is like, uh, like Einstein craziness. And when I woke up this morning, (laughs) it wasn't as crazy as it has been. So I think it's, but I've used their products for a little bit and they just are, there's good quality and they're not too expensive, but they do after pay financing. So like you can kind of finance them every two weeks and pay it off. Mm. Um, I think like a bottle of shampoo is like maybe 28 bucks, but it's good quality. So I would recommend. Cool. I've tried some of their stuff before. I, I tend to like it. It's hoping that R&Co is listening. So if you want to send <laughs> Christian 
Three. some Arco product, <laughs> yes. he will continue to yes. suggest you. Right. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. However, yes. they are looking for sponsorships. So <laughs> if they would love. I'll take a daily harvest, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say for me, if they would love for us to do ads, I will do an ad for them every episode as long as I get free products. That's right. <laughs> also, a quick comment on Afterpay. Um, mm-hmm. A dangerous game. Very much. I, I, at one point, I had four different Afterpay payments to make a month, and I was like, oh, shit, I have got lost control. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, you said Affirm earlier, and I thought to myself, did I order that last night through Affirm? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. I have to switch back and forth checking each app to see which payments I have left because <laughs> I oh, always gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's I the best work thing. Um, I will go. I'll make my recommendation. Okay. Okay. So I would like to, I'm going to recommend a book. Oh. Ooh. Um, a coffee table book, if you will, if you're into that sort of thing. I mean, I've read the whole thing, but, um, it is a guide to modern womanhood from Trixie, yes. Mattel and Katya. <laughs> I, it is so good. It is so funny. Everything Trixie and Katya does together makes me laugh hysterically. And if you just want a good time, if you're feeling down, if you're not feeling down, I suggest reading that book and watching all of their internet content because it will make you feel so much better. They're we so watch good. all their internet. I'm constantly, oh. my suggestions are just Trixie and Katya. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love them. And I know people like pick their person, you know, are they more of a Trixie or are they more a Katya or whatever? Um, and I love Katya. So I just want to put that out there yes. for everybody to know. <laughs> I'm a Trixie, but. Yeah. Same. I understand. People are, you know, people have feelings about Katya based on the documentary, but that's okay. We live, we learn, we're better people. Yeah. Well, I meant just like personality wise. Like I feel like yeah. I am more of a Trixie, although I love them both. And I listened to a Katya. I used to do a podcast with one of her friends called Whimsically Volatile, I think. Um, yeah. And it was like in the heat of her like struggles. Right. So I totally like sympathize with her. Yeah, and I'm, I've never had help because not I any, mean, first of all, it's none of my business, but right. uh, yeah, I just, I love them both. I love the two of them together. They are such a good comedic duo. And I don't think people really recognize that, yeah. right. that them doing that whole, like we're just two drag queens that are going to sit down together and make commentary on pop culture or whatever was such a success that I mean obviously there are a ton of other people doing that now right and I, I just love them and I could watch it over and over again so buy that book it's hilarious will do yes awesome well my recommendation I so we of course downloaded the new Peacock app yet another streaming thing to <laughs> to follow but there's a lot of good content on there and we kind of always speed through comedy series fairly quickly because they're always, you know, shorter episodes. So we're constantly looking for the new comedy series that we want, you know, to for our daily viewing. But we just caught up on AP Bio, which was a show on Netflix, or Netflix, on NBC, lasted two seasons, and Peacock took it over, and there's going to be a third season coming out soon. 
but it stars Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia playing the best asshole possible, um, which he is really good at. Um, But he is a Harvard professor that loses his job. His mother dies and he goes home to his little town and becomes the AP biology teacher. He is not an bio, a scientist or science teacher. He is a philosophy teacher. So he comes in not giving a shit about the class at all and decides in the first episode to use the class to help him get back at his arch nemesis. But that just sets off like, you know, I mean, like any good comedy series, it grows and changes. And the students that are all in this AP bio class, they are all so freaking funny and they get funnier and funnier. And it's, I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've read a lot of people say like, this is actually a really good show. People should give it a chance. And we just never have. And I'm so glad we have now because it is so funny and I recommend it to everyone. I've wanted to check that one out. I just never did get around to it. When you start watching TV again. (laughs) When I start watching TV again. I know that's why I was like, uh, I can't think of anything to recommend. Um, Are you not watching television? I just don't have the attention span to watch more than YouTube at the moment, but I, <laughs> I will. Okay. This is going to be a really weird <laughs> recommendation. Yeah. My recommendation but I've been... Grass growing is really cool. <laughs> if you sit there and watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Okay. Actually grass growing is obnoxious. Cause then I know I have to cut it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been, burning a lot of incense lately just because i don't know i've gotten really into it but mostly because i've discovered that if you go to etsy for any of those sorts of things that you want like incense or candles or you know anything that people can make themselves if you get your stuff from etsy not only are they so much better higher quality they always send you a little note that's like, thank you so much. You're keeping us alive right now for oh. supporting us. So, you know, I would say if there's anything like that, especially things like, you know, instance, any little things that you just like that you are finding bringing you comfort in this time. I don't know why incense is bringing me comfort, but I just love all of the like artisanal incense on there. And yeah, I, I suggest going to Etsy and buying from some of these people who are just making stuff out of their own homes because not only are you going to get a way better product with like probably some sort of nice little note that's like thank you so much but um you know it's just it'll make you feel good (laughs) oh yeah personally I love it (laughs) I um I'm trying not to spend too much money but I can (laughs) I can afford a little bit of incense here and there (laughs) I'm obsessed with the incense that you were burning last time that we were together mm-hmm. it smells so good yeah i wish i could tell you exactly who to buy it from but there's so many different ones and i've bought from so many different people that it's <laughs> hard to remember which ones are the best i do want to real quick piggyback off of josh's recommendation of ap bio it also stars comedy legend and goddess paula pell yes who <laughs> is one Love of the elect- few of people I group her in with people like Aidy Bryant and Ego Wodum who they could say the most mundane boring line and it will make me laugh no matter what they are the funniest people and so she's amazing in this of course and everything she does so that's 
one of the many reasons to watch the show. She's amazing. Well, and not to mention the fact that she clearly was not going to be a regular occurring, reoccurring character. She was in one episode as this small character and, and just killed every scene she was in. And she just has continued to be a main character. Oh, Patton Oswalt is also in it. Yes. Oh, I love it. Is that one of the ones you can watch for free on there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that streaming app free? Yeah. Yes. Well, most of it. it really? Yeah. But you, you have, have to watch, watch commercials. commercials. But there's How not that many. It's that? really not that bad. It's it's better than live TV. <laughs> Interesting. They, I wonder how they're they, offering it for free. Yeah, what they do is they do like paid com- like uh, commercials, but like you can upgrade to maybe see more restricted content for like five bucks a month. And then if you pay the whole 10, I think you get commercial free and everything all together. Yeah, there's a lot oh. of content on there that is not available for free. I see. But yeah. just go and check it out because there's a lot of stuff on there. It's not just TV series. It's a lot of movies. Um, I think the Harry Potter <laughs> series just went on there. I mean, it's just a lot of wow. different stuff, you know. I just do not need another streaming service. No, neither. Well, that's why it's nice because it's free. <laughs> yeah. I have so, like, I think I have everything. I even have BritBox. I would get rid of some if I wasn't letting my family use mine. <laughs> yeah, that's mine too. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> Maya has BritBox. I don't actually have it. I have the, I don't would have England it. Don't hear that. England, she's just kidding. Maya loves you. <laughs> she loves BritBox. Uh, well, I do own all of Doctor Who on DVD, so I don't really need it. <laughs> I love it. I love, love, love it. It's what I watch most of the time. Not Doctor Who, but I mean, yes, I love Doctor Who, but BritBox, because everything that British people make on television is gold, and they should understand that. <laughs> all right well if you want to get in contact with us <laughs> <laughs> if BritBox right. wants to sponsor this podcast <laughs> please I will take it and if our patients want to sponsor us uh, <laughs> our gmail is mannersofmadness at gmail.com our twitter is at mannersmadness our instagram is at mannersofmadnesspod and our website is managedmadness.com and you can leave us a voice message. Yes. And next week we are doing Dune, the Ooh. David Lynch 80 something classic. His classic novel. <laughs> His classic, classic novel, novel that he did with David Sarah. <laughs> David. If David so, Sedaris knew that I got him confused with David Lynch, he'd be up in arms. I just want everybody here to know. He might be flattered. He might be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come back and join us for Dune next week. We're going to have a lot of fun with that one. And uh, yeah, we hope you guys are doing well. <laughs> yes. Thank you, um, Josh and Lindsay, for doing this. <laughs> first Yay! Time. Thank you for having me. It was fun. <laughs> Our first, Thank you for our being first here. Awesome. I hope that this is of no awesome. reflection of how people really see me in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Check in the comments, honey. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Yeah. Good night. Bye. Bye.